Amen. Amen. Thank you to the choir, virtual choir. Um, it's interesting. Some people are here who are in that choir. It's always a weird thing. It is so good to be in worship with you today um, on this Pentecost Sunday. To those of you who are at home watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, um, God bless you and thank you for tuning in with us today and being a part of this hybrid worship experience. To those of you who are here in person, hi guys. You look great. Hi. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday and we are celebrating the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. The way that the, the Spirit guides us and leads us beyond what we might normally just do on our own, into the things, into the ways of life, into the uh, way of faith, into the signs of love that God has in store for us. One thing about the Holy Spirit, you never know what she's going to do. I was on the phone the other day with a friend, and he asked me, "Uh, what are you doing? I told him, I said, I'm working on my sermon for Pentecost Sunday, and I'm pretty excited about it. I read the scripture I went on a walk, kind of a prayer walk, and I felt like God was giving me this message, a great message for our church on a day like this. And he said, wow, that sounds really, really good. What, what's the scripture passage? And I said, oh, it's, it's Nehemiah chapter 9. And, I said, and then as I said it, I thought, wait, isn't this supposed to be Ezra? Ezra chapter 9? Or am I in the wrong book of the Bible? And it turns out I was. Um, I had been working on this whole sermon based on the wrong scripture text completely. And um, it's kind of like last week when I announced Carolyn Rosen's death when she was sitting right here in the front. Uh, Kind of embarrassing. Um, But I want to tell you something. God can work in any circumstance. Amen? God can work through any situation of life. God is with us in everything that happens, even when we mess it up or get it wrong. God can use the wrong text from Scripture to still bring a message for our lives. And that's good news, right? That's good news for your preacher today. It's good news for a church like you today because it means that even when we do our best, when we bring our best work to God, we try our hardest, but we still kind of fall short. God's work doesn't stop. It's not all dependent on us. God is active and faithful still. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. You can just sit back right where you are. If you're at home, if you're here in the building, and you can listen to see what God has to say to you today. I wonder what the Holy Spirit will whisper in your ear. Our scripture passage is from Nehemiah chapter 9. And it's a bit of a chunk. So listen, stay with me, and then we'll talk about it as soon as I read it. Here it is. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth, with earth on their heads. Then those of the Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners and stood up and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their ancestors. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth part of the day, and for another fourth they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. Then Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebediah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and and Chenani stood on the chairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabadniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah stood up and said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above every blessing and praise. And Ezra said, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens. You are their host, the earth, and all that is uh, you... 
with all their host, and the earth and all that is in it, the ships, the seas, and all that is in them. To all of them you give life. The host of, of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him a covenant to give his descendants the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite, and you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's a tongue twister. Some of you are thankful I didn't ask you to read that today over there. Now, what is it that the Holy Spirit is up to in guiding us this day towards a scripture passage like this? Let me set the context around it just to remind you a little bit. We're in a sermon series these, uh, these, these days, these months, uh, with Ezra and Nehemiah, this story, this great story of the way that God's people returned from exile. And they did the work of rebuilding the walls of their city, rebuilding the walls of their temple, rebuilding their life together. They had been away from each other for a long time, and they were just coming back. But when you come back together in, into a community, there are all kinds of obstacles. There are challenges. There are things that, that go wrong. And so they had to meet those challenges faithfully together. This is about 2,500 years ago. And so we're in the same kind of uh, situation in some ways where we are coming out of the COVID cocoon and seeking to find out what's life going to be like for us as we rebuild and restore and renew the ties that bind so here in the first part of the story, there's one thing I want you to notice, just in that first part. As their community in that time gathered to do the work uh, that they had before them, part of what they did is that they practiced confession. They practiced confession together. Here, in the story, they put on sackcloth and not ashes, but dirt on their heads. This was a sign of repentance and of sorrow. And they fasted from food and they cried out to God. And so they're here in the middle of this big building project, this big work project, and they had a lot of stuff to get done. So why do you think a group like that would spend their time confessing their sins or owning up to the things that went wrong, openly saying, I am sorry about that? It's because in a healthy relationship with God and in a healthy relationship with other people, confession is part of our life. Confession is the necessary part of our lives. To be able to say, I'm sorry. To admit when we get things wrong. To recognize when we've hurt someone with our words or our actions. And here's the thing. A life of a community of any kind, an organization, a family, a marriage, a church, we have a lot of opportunities to mess things up. Church, amen? amen. You know it. We have a chance to miscommunicate, to say the wrong thing, to act in the wrong way, to have a hard heart toward a neighbor. And so confession is this practice of being honest about the ways that things have gone wrong. In every type of organization and community, we know that conflicts are bound to arise. And what's fascinating is that these people in the Bible so long ago, they didn't back away from saying, I'm sorry. God's people have never been perfect. Not in the Bible times, not in our times. But followers of Jesus, like us, we have always been marked by forgiveness. 
This is one of the greatest teachings that we get from Jesus, how we are forgiven by God and we are called to forgive one another as well. So I want to remind you of three powerful words, and you can repeat them after me. They're very useful. I am sorry. Can you say that? I am sorry. Wow. Those are powerful words, and there's three more that go with them. I forgive you. Can you say that? I forgive you. I need that. Thank you. These words have power when you use them in community. They have power to build up, to restore, to continue a conversation beyond a, a stopping point. I am sorry, I am, and I forgive you are words we need for our life together in a church like ours as we rebuild and come back together. It's a mark of maturity in faith, isn't it? The ability to be honest and open when you, you get something wrong or when you hurt somebody, whether you meant to or not. It's not a sign of weakness to say, I'm sorry, it's a sign of strength. It also takes strength to say, I forgive you. Sometimes a lot of strength. If you take nothing else away from the sermon today, maybe this is God's word to you. Take that home, a practice of forgiveness, confession, restoration. This rebuilding project that we have here in our church is one where we will seek and need to have forgiveness for each other, grace for each other, restoration with each other again and again. And we can do that because God's already done it for us in Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. So maybe from today, you need to go home and think about something, someone you need to reach out to. Maybe say you're sorry. Clear something up. Maybe you just need to take it to the Lord in prayer and just be honest with God and say, God, I want to turn from, from the things of last week that bound me up or got, wrong, got, got off on the wrong foot. Turn it over to the Lord. God is always willing and able to listen and to forgive. The old saying is true. Confession is good for the soul. So that's the first part of the sermon, and now there's a second. There's a second piece I want to bring to you. After all this confessing in the story, after all this crying out that people do, then Ezra stands up and starts talking about God. And so you're thinking, you're here, you're like, okay, pastor, confession, forgiveness, talking about God, we get it. We're in church. Like, that's part of what we do. Um, but here's what I want you to see. In the midst of this big building project that they were doing back in that time, Ezra stands up and starts telling the larger story, telling the bigger story about who God is and what God has done. Ezra sets their little story, their life together within the bigger picture. Ezra gives them a bigger perspective. You know, when we, when we return to, um, to life together, as we try to figure out all the different things about how to open our buildings and how to use our campus and how to get small groups going again, how to do mission, how to worship in, in person and online, what about our masks and how can, we, how can we figure that out? All those details. We need to set all that little work we're doing within a bigger picture. That's what Pastor Erica was preaching about last Sunday when she said we need to keep our purpose in mind. When we're centered on our purpose, then these details can be worked out together. You've probably heard the old story uh, before. It comes from 1666 when a great fire went through London. You've heard this. Some of you have preached this. And um, it, it destroyed St. Paul's Cathedral. And the most famous uh, architect of that era was Christopher Wren, and he was commissioned to rebuild the cathedral in London. One day in 1671, he observed three bricklayers who were hard at work. And he went up to the first and asked him, what are you doing? 
And this man said, I'm a bricklayer. I'm just here working to feed my family. He went up to the second bricklayer and asked the same thing. What are you doing? And he said, I'm a builder. I'm just here building this wall. And then he went up to that third bricklayer. And he asked him the same question. What are you doing? And this third bricklayer was hard at work just like the others. And he paused and said, I am building a cathedral to the glory of God. They were all doing the same tasks. They were all doing the same kind of work. But the third one had a bigger perspective about why he was doing this work at all. I'm building a cathedral. He was part of a larger story. It was bigger than just his little bit that he brought to it. He was contributing something that was important beyond just his own um, small work. In Nehemiah, they do the same thing in this Bible story where they tell the big story of God and then they set us inside of it. It starts out with a creation, how God makes the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything that's in it. It moves on to a covenant with Abram, who God calls Abraham. And then the scripture goes on to where they talk about how God heard their distress in Egypt when they were slaves and how they drew, drew them out through the Red Sea. And then how they brought, brought Moses up to Mount Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments so they could order their life together. Ezra gives a big sweep of history, a big perspective for people to remember. They're telling and retelling that big story so that they could be encouraged to live out the little story of their lives. We need that same encouragement today. As we come out of these COVID times and creep carefully into the new season ahead, how can you hold on to the bigger picture of what God is doing among us? How can you trust that, the, that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, even as you work through all the details or issues around it? Maybe that's the two-handed work that we have to do. On the one hand, we trust God deeply, while on the other, we actively engage with the work of our time. On the one hand, um, we trust in the grace and mercy of God, and on the other, we respond with how we live our lives. God's action, our faithful response, two-handed work that we have to keep together it's easy to get um, subsumed by social media. Have you had that happen to you? It's easy to get um, caught by the headlines that blare that seek your attention. It's easy uh, to think that our world or our country or our community or our church or your family have never been through any hard times before. We have. And God was with us in those times before this time. God has been with you. And the good news today is that God is with you even today in the thing that you are facing. So that means that your life and mine with our struggles and our joys is part of the larger work of God. And we need that bigger picture so that we, we get beyond just the ups and downs of this week or just the vicissitudes of the last year with COVID. Our view as Christians is meant to extend back into Bible times to the way that God's Spirit was with His people, especially in times of trouble. So that's what allows us to sing some of the songs we sing. You know, like the one where it says, when I'm found in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness, on a road marked with suffering, when there's pain in the offering, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what allows St. Paul in the New Testament to write, I do not consider the, this present suffering to be comparable with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. 
The bigger perspective of our lives draws us beyond the present moment, the present suffering, the present circumstances. Gives us a way of praising God, of thanking God, of seeking God, of serving God, even while we work out what that will mean. And on this Pentecost Sunday, we're, we're told that God's work is not finished yet. It's the Spirit of God that is stirring us up, that is leading us out, that is calling us to go beyond just the comfortable or the normal or what we used to know. The adventure of a life with God, a life together with God, is still before us. So when I look ahead for our church, for those of you here in person, for those who are at home, in the days and weeks to come, this is my prayer, that we would practice forgiveness with each other, that we would turn our hurts over to God and receive God's grace, that we would also give grace to each other as we do our best to come back together. My prayer is that you would also keep the larger perspective of the work we have to do, to know that our little story, your little story, is part of God's big narrative arc. This means that your life really matters, that in the end, God holds your life, your coming and your going, from this day on and forevermore. And that's the message of Nehemiah chapter 9, the wrong scripture for the day, but one that is taken by God used by God to bless us and to challenge us. May it be so for you. Amen. Amen. Amen.